This message is brought to you by IOM America and the International Fellowship of Exchange Life. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I am your ministry host. We hope that the Lord blesses you today as you listen to our podcast. Okay, let's jump into our message today. Okay, so victory in speech. The Holy Word of God says in plain words that if a person can control what he or she says, this is the key of total victory for the physical area of life. Now, I'm going to prove that to you in the scriptures, but come on now. That's really kind of a bold statement. The Holy Word of God says in plain words that if a person can control what he or she says, this is the key to total victory in the physical area of life. Do you buy that? Well, if not, we'll take a look at the scriptures. It says here in James chapter 3, verse 2, in fact, the whole chapter of 3 is very, very good for us to study when it comes to the power of the tongue. But, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. There's a direct connection being given to us in regard to the tongue and be able to bridle the whole human body. Okay, very good. So that is actually the most external way of appropriating this truth. I want to share another one with you. Jesus said in Matthew 5, and of course Matthew 5 is considered one of the most Uh, compact but yes most exponentially when it comes to the growth of spiritual principles of any of Jesus' sermons Matthew chapter 5 it is on the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount he deals with everything in there from forgiveness, bitterness divorce going to prison letting your yes be yes taking abuse from people it's all in one chapter. But there is a couple statements made in chapter 5 that is a little bit mind-bending when it comes to this principle. There's also some passages mentioned in the book of Revelation where it talks about every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man, someone want to finish it? is recorded in the book of life. I want to tell you how uh, fortune tellers work. And I got this out of counseling a fortune teller who had been converted through Jesus Christ who told me how this works. I always believe what the Satanists, what the sorcerers have got to say from their world. Not from God but from their world. I want to know what their perspective is and why they think this works. But here's the deal. Fortune teller has someone sitting across from them and they use their own imagination to come up with creative things that connect directly to their history or their present. They can make up anything they want. 
They can say you're going to meet someone within 30 days and you're going to fall in love and whatever. Now since all of us as indwell believers know that Satan cannot see into the future, he's certainly not going to be able to foretell the future. There is only one being that can look into the future. It is the owner of the future. That is God. Jesus Christ himself is allowed to look into the future because there are certain pieces of the future that he does not even know. Someone want to give me an example of that? For he does not know the, the time he's coming back. Just because he's the son of God, it does not grant him full-on permission unless God gives it to him. That's the key. Now, here these fortune tellers are saying this stuff and there's testimonies all over the world through the generations that it came true. Well, how in the world can that be if, if demonic forces can't look into the future? Now, those of you who are living in countries that have sorcery as its primary religion, I would probably pay very special attention to this little piece. Here's how it works. That fortune teller is rattling stuff out of their mouth where demonic forces are actually listening. And if you don't think that demons are not around those fortune tellers, then you do not understand the spirit world. And as that person leaves that tent and walks through the streets, those demons are bringing present day changes to match the fortune teller's fortune. They can't foretell the future. They can manipulate the present. And then all of a sudden, two months down the road, they meet someone. They fall in love with someone. And they say the fortune teller was right. Thus, Satan got credit for prophecy. Satan cannot even put his little finger around prophecy. He has no clue what the book of Revelation is saying. He has no clue what Ezekiel is saying. He has no clue what Daniel said. He is lost with prophecy. That's how demonic forces work. In the present, manipulating events around you to deceive you to think that Satan has some kind of ability to prophesy which in the spirit world they call it fortune telling the words that come out of your mouth are powerful every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man is recorded in the book of life every word that's what it says don't you think Satan functions the same way We have got to understand the power of words is very significant. The power of the tongue is able to control all of life. Satan knows it. God knows it. Jesus knows it. The triad of Satan knows it. They, it seems like everyone knows but the body of Christ. Just how powerful 
the tongue really is. And you can rattle off stuff on an angry day, on a bad moment, and I, if there are demonic forces around you, they'll carry it out. That's what I believe. Unless you're standing against these type of forces, unless you are saying, Lord, I give you this moment. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I give you this moment. Well, God will seize this moment. Well, if you don't, you think there's not another force around that's going to seize the moment? Of course there is. We don't fight flesh and blood. We don't fight light bulbs and tin ceilings. There are powers of darkness that are around us. And what the tongue is doing with it is pretty significant. What's in your prayers is pretty significant. So let's take a look at that. Okay, even though I know this is not a news flash, so this is no news flash, but all of us stumble in many ways. But if we do not stumble in what we say, we show and reveal the perfection of Christ within us. So when someone's watching you and, and a normal person would stumble in their words and get angry or say something to hurt, whatever the case may be, and you don't, you're revealing Christ within you. Minimally, you are revealing a very strong will. But as an indwelt believer, this is how you give Christ away. is under circumstances where normally you would get angry, normally you would strike out, normally you would do things to level the playing field. You don't. That is the actual definition in the Greek of meekness. It's power under control. The tongue has the ability to destroy. But a true meek person keeps it under control. That's the key of releasing Christ in you, is the tongue. Speak as much, speak has much to do with the evidence of Christ within us. This context makes clear that the stumbling spoken of here is not any technical inaccuracy of speech, but rather refers to moral problems like dishonest, criticism, condemnation of others, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Exactly what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? What's that? It is the unforgivable sin. But what is blasphemy? What's That is real close. Calling the witchcraft a miracle of God. Allocating God's works to Satan. Or allocating Satan's works to God. Have you guys heard of the word raka? Jesus said it in Matthew 5. Tell me, you want to study a chapter this week and have some fun? 
Study chapter 5 of Matthew. The baby's packed. But he says, If any of you there remember, this is after you have your offering before Jesus and you know you're giving your 10% or whatever your offering is and it's right there and you're and the Holy Spirit's there reminding you your brother has aught against you, first go and be reconciled with him, then come and present your offering, and then the rest of the chapter. So it all starts with the term that Jesus referred to as raka. Raka could mean two things. The liberal side of the Greek means raka means you fool. The conservative side of the Greek means go to hell it is a swear word it's a bad 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 word that's blasphemy it's like because Jesus said in this passage those who say raka are guilty of the fiery pit of hell you with me it's serious it's not just you fool it's very serious. So blasphemy is like telling the Holy Spirit to... Oh, uh, yeah. It's bad. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit that lives in the indwelled believer so we can be called the Bride of Christ. No man lets anyone pick on his wife. Or he's acting as a fool nobody is going to pick on the bride of Christ and get away with it with Jesus it's just not going to happen that's what the whole end times are about Jesus is coming back to deal with everyone who insulted his bride but blasphemy of the Holy Spirit it is not going to happen not in respects of people thinking they're going to get away with it in all the languages throughout the, all the world, those of you who are listening from other countries, I want you to challenge me on this. Of all the language, all the countries in the entire world, there's two swear words that are most common. Three is the one I just mentioned, the third one. But the top two is GD it's just saying God right but the D part is damnation now listen carefully here's a swear word number one in the entire world wins the award and that is God and then condemnation God can even deal with that. To have the God of the supreme universe, anything and everything that God has out there, to actually be able to withstand that rejection of putting God in a damnation position out of your mouth. Second one came in number two is... Jesus Christ with a different tone it's not the way we say Jesus Christ it is 
Jesus Christ. Same words. It's the heart coming out through the tongue. Second most popular swear word in the entire world. Jesus seems to be able to handle it. Can someone tell me a country? Send me an email. Send me a text. Can someone please show me one country, one culture that has taken the Holy Spirit's name and turned it into a swear word? There is no such swear word in any country, any culture in the entire world. It's not going to happen. You don't mess with it. It is the Spirit of God that He preciously gives us as a gift to indwell our mortal bodies so we can have Christ in us manifesting through us. And he doesn't want anyone messing with that. How easy it is for us, even as indwelt believers, and indwelt means what again? So I got a couple emails this week going, why do you keep saying indwelt believers? What does that exactly mean? So what is it again? Does the very life of Jesus Christ literally live inside your mortal body, yes or no? When does it happen? Salvation. It's not a second blessing. You don't get some baptism of the Holy Spirit. It all happens at one moment called salvation. You get the fullness of Christ Jesus through the element and personhood of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. So, how easy is it, even as indwelled Christians, to say things that we devoutly wish only in moments later that we could retract. Very easy. Can you retract what you say? It's impossible. So it is said, so it is written. No, the Romans did not come up with that. Caesar did not come up with that phrase. God came up with that phrase. If it comes out of your mouth, it's written. And the only way to stop damnation for you is through Jesus Christ. The only way to reconcile the tongue is through Jesus Christ. And anything that you have said, done, that has not been redeemed, made righteousness through Jesus Christ will be remembered for the day of judgment. Every single word. You can't control your tongue unless Christ in you does it. It's impossible. Completely impossible. The smartest person in the world cannot control their tongue without Jesus Christ. Then why can these unsaved people have better control over their speech than Christians? I can assure you, their hearts are confessing sin 24 hours a day without Jesus Christ and Him converting us to true salvation. Here's victory from pictorial Hebrew. We got Bet, Yud, Ayan, Chet, Resh, Vav. You put all of that together, a family that has deeds and experience in the one that was nailed to the cross. That's pictorial Hebrew. 
I've also gotten some comments from some people about modern Hebrew versus pictorial Hebrew and the definitions not saying the same thing. I'm here to tell you they're not. Pictorial Hebrew is much different. Victory typically is related to the British term victor, which is a pastor. It's someone who is shouting out or proclaiming victory. The victor. The fact is, victor, priest, shepherd, is the man who hangs on the cross. That redemption that's being provided for us redeems what has come out of our mouths instead of hurting people it's redeemed back into blessing people with what comes out of our mouth. That's what James was saying. But he didn't want us to forget that even as indwelt believers, we can hurt people by what we say. Victory in speech requires the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The tongue is a powerful tool to breed destruction in the lives of God's children. With our tongues we confess multitudes of beliefs and it is through these confessions of beliefs that bear witness, or lack of it, of the life of Christ within us. With our mouths we insult others, say regretful things in anger, pledge our fruitless promises, tell off uh, off-color jokes or stories, which bear false witness to the life of Christ that lives within us. Oh God, please grant us the preservation of our souls by and through our speech. Matthew 5 again. There's some very powerful things in this chapter about our speech. From the reconciliation piece that goes into Jesus saying that Take my word on this. You'll stay in there until you pay up every last cent. Then he goes into the divorce issue. Then he goes into the, the, the whole issue of do not make vows. Vows is the same word as promises. Now how in the world can you even get married if you don't make a vow? Well, of all the weddings I've done throughout all the years I will not marry a couple if they want to use vows I won't do it but if they want to say commitment statements to each other I am more than willing to be a part of that I commit to you my yes to you is this my no to you is this let your yes be yes and your no be no anything above and beyond this is evil See, vows saying, I promise you, I'll be there at, at three. I promise you. Well, you already blew it. You're already guilty. It's over. Because the mandate of do not make vows is more important than being there or not being there at three. God says, don't do it. No vows. No promises. Do not say to your kid, to your spouse, to your friend, I promise you I'll, I'll, whatever. Just check the box. It's done. It's finished. It's over. 
Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything above and beyond that or what's in the middle of that is evil. So we're stepping into evil every day as Christians because we're not keeping our promises. One of the worst words we've been warned about in Scripture is pledges. Oh, I pledge to take care of you. Oh boy, I know they won't then. Pledges are not right. It's, it's like, I'll, I'll be in debt to you. Why? You see? It's just do it. If the Holy Spirit puts it in your mind, just do it. Just let your yes be yes. If you say yes and you're not doing your job, you're not doing a part of it, then you're, you're lying. And that's why Jesus said, just don't do it. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You can change your no to yes or yes to no. That's fine. If your ch- children come up and say, Oh, can I have a, you know, a drink? And I, yeah. No. Because you need time to think about it. Just say no. No, you cannot at this point in time. 20 minutes later, you can go to your child and say, Okay, it's a yes now. You can have your drink. Do you see how clear that is? As soon as you hesitate, Satan moves in. So what does a kid do? Plagues you to death for the orange juice. Over and over and over and over. Because you won't say yes. You won't say no. If it's in the middle, you can manipulate. The whole church is filled with these false doctrines. It's push and manipulate, push and manipulate, push. And God's just saying, well, someone please say no to these people? Or yes? Because this manipulation in my church is evil. It's a huge problem, folks. It's everywhere. We can literally protect our lives from many troubles if we make use of our mouths by tapping into the words of Christ that do actually live inside of us. And we can maintain victory just by walking after the Spirit, in the Spirit, and guarding our human words from slipping out. Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. I have this joke, and it's probably not very nice, and yes, the Lord does correct me on it. There are certain people I have learned to, as they enter a room, is I'll talk to them, but I'm as I'm talking to them, I'm kind of checking to see if they've left the knives at the door. I have been wounded so much by Christians backstabbing me. They say one thing, they have a smile on their face, but they have that dagger and they want to get close to you so they can slide that dagger in. These are Christians. Probably not. But they say they're Christians. People who stab their brothers and sisters do not love their brothers and sisters. The whole book of 1 John is about that. And 
I have to constantly be aware of the fact that I am I am very cautious with Christians. I would rather I told my wife yesterday, I would rather work with street people who have guns and knives than Christians. Now that sounds very cynical, but the truth is there's less harm on the street than there is in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. There is less harm on the street than there is in the church that associates themselves with Jesus Christ. We hurt, wound, destroy our people amongst church to church, denomination to denomination, just constantly insulting and bringing down the work of God through the Holy Spirit in indwell believers for the sake of preserving their own little fellowship. Shame on us. It's not right. But we do it. So I check knives at the door. I tell people, put your knives at the door. Let's deal with each other as true body members, true bridal members of Jesus Christ. Put your knives at the door. And if you think that Christians don't carry around pocket knives, then your, your eyes are not open. We are guilty for wounding and finishing off our wounded as a church. It's sad. We are a very sick church. Violence is birthed through the mouth because from the heart springs the true intentions and beliefs. Peace follows a well-guarded tongue. And when we by choice guard our own minds from spewing forth words that produce division, which is the same word, at least in the Latin, where we get divorce, we are able to release the Holy Spirit within us to shout out the literal life and words of Jesus Christ in and through us. I don't think it gets any richer than that. To actually have Jesus' mind do my thinking, to have Jesus' words come through my tongue, to have the Holy Spirit clamp down on my tongue so that the mind of Christ can use my tongue, use my mind, use my gestures, use my life to radiate the presence of Jesus Christ. Oh, I know it's possible. Because Finney can't preach. I couldn't read until a few years ago. I think it's funny that I'm a writer. These are not skills that I have learned. They are skills that have been manifested because I am unstoppable in this message of sharing the mind of Christ inside of us. I've seen mentally retarded people, both Jane and I have, and working for the handicapped for many years, I've seen mentally retarded people come to places that science says they just can't possess. Why? Because of the mind of Christ. God can take the weakest mind and turn it into a sharp mind, which is what you and I were talking about on Friday. One year from now, Joe Angel's mind is going to be completely different than it is today. From drug damage to condemnation to all the stuff he has suffered with, one year from now, the spirit 
mind of Christ constantly running through that vessel is going to sharpen him up. And his own wife will look at him and go, I, I just don't get it, Joe. I used to have to do all this for you. Now look what's happening. Well, look what's happened in a few short months. Every one of us has this right and prerogative to let the life of Christ rush through us and it will clean out the old as it does. Great promise of God. Proverbs 10, 31 and 32 says, The mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom. But the perverted tongue will cut it out. Cut the wisdom out. The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable. But the mouth of the wicked, what is perverted. Quite a few years ago, in prayer time, uh, I had this little battle with the Lord about being able to remember the reference of scriptures. And what the Lord implanted upon my soul was, I want you to just simply get to know me as the word. Secondly, I want you to bear witness with the written word to such an extent that as you talk, you're quoting scriptures, but you're not referencing the verses. I am the word. I am the word of life. I am the truth. I am the way. I am. You see? It has to start here, coming out, not here and going in. The church has mastered the art of the opposite of the truth. They study, 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 read, read books, books, videos. It's external, external, external. And God is saying it must start from the word of life in you. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. The word of life is in us. So, this is how I do this. I'll be talking to someone and I want to find out what level of deception they're under. So as I'm talking to them, I actually say the verse in my own words that's profound in wisdom and I just listen to them. I want to listen to the confession that comes out of their mouth. And if they cut out the wisdom which they think is something I'm saying, if they cut it out and come back with some worldly, vain, emergent church philosophy, I know exactly where they stand. I don't need to go, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. How'd they do it back here? Back in the time that this was being put together. The life of Christ. But is there something wrong with sin? In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it says this about the Holy Spirit. Of course not. Is it wrong to memorize the scriptures? Of course not. I'd rather memorize the life and let the scriptures bear witness with it. So I say, yes. Yes. That's a good devotional. 
Why? Because it is bearing witness what is already in its fullest. Christ in you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Men and women alike are given their ability to speak together with their, uh, their position in and through the life of Christ. The power over words that either produce life or they produce death. There's actually a passage that says, fruit unto death. There's two trees. Both produce fruit. There's the tree of life. And it produces fruit all by itself without you doing anything to it. Then there's the tree of knowledge, Satan's tree. And it produces fruit all by itself. You don't need to add to it. You don't need to command it, demand it. It's already there. And that fruit's called fruit unto death. Fruit unto life. Fruit unto death. It was laid out in the garden. Why are we trying to write endless books to figure out fruit? Your nasty, filthy, fleshly behavior isn't adding fruit to either one of those trees. You can pray all day long to get patience, kindness, gentleness, and any of those other grapes, and you're not getting any. Unless you appropriate the life of Christ and have the life of Christ released in you, you'll get the grapes instantly. All of them. At one time. Don't do devotionals on topics. It's a waste of your time. The life of Christ. I mean, that has everything. If you want to do a topic, Victory shown in the believer comes by the way of the mouth, first by uh, mouth first and then deeds. Those times when we use our own words to advance our lives, we classically are attempting to aspire to positions of influence or authority over others. You know, when you live in a college community, every once in a while you bump into someone who loves using big fancy words. You know, I used to just stay quiet and try to figure out what they're saying and come back with some fancier words. Then I realized I was contributing to the tree of knowledge. So now when I have someone using words that they really don't have to use to try to explain what it is they're saying, I've got it figured out now that they're trying to elevate themselves into a position higher than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did and still does and will continue to use words that everyone will understand. Not lofting himself so that they've got to go, I need to go to seminary to figure out what Jesus said. Isn't that what we've done? Instead of just saying it. That's why I like hanging out with these guys. They just... Say it. And it's simple. And there, there's a rapper you're going to meet, if his schedule permits. His name is Wish. He was the first 
outside of the gal that you guys had singing. She was really good too. But when Wish came on stage, man, he kicked in and I heard every single word that came out of that man's mouth. My spirit just lined up and heard every single word. That's how Jesus is. Simple, says it, blunt, there it is. Do you have questions? And the Pharisees were throwing complicated words and complicated languages and complicated... Jesus said in the beginning it was not this way. Why are you doing this? Well, he knows why. Because the tree of knowledge is filled with heady knowledge. Words, 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 words. The tongue will send people to hell faster than any tool there is. How wonderful and glorious to know God's great forgiveness and healing for the past misuse of our tongues and the, pro, the prospect of growth and victory in our speech through daily appropriation of Christ as our life. It should always be our goal to have every word that proceeds out of the mouths of, out of our mouths to become and to come from the very mind of Christ that's living inside of you. It should be a goal, 24 hours a day. The key element to victory in our daily living is to remember that our tongues are the gateway to evil or to righteousness. For if we forget this, victory or the victor is postponed for another day. There's an old, old, old technique that's used in torture. Now, I know this is a simple-minded question. That's probably why I like it. But what is the purpose of torture? Get you to talk. Well, you connect the dots. No more needs to be said. And if you think torture is just going on in Muslim bloc countries, you're not getting my point. There are people even in this little body that are provoking others to talk, to trip them up. And it is a form of torture. You're, you're getting them to be trapped by their own words. It's manipulation of the truth. And, and we all do it, to be honest with you. So James, back to James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity, the tongue, is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. I'm going to add, of Christ. And sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on fire by hell. That scripture is beyond mind-bending. All from the tongue. The pit of hell exists. And what do we do? 
We either contribute to it or we stand against it by having our tongues controlled. And the only way to get that tongue controlled is through the power and living life of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's the only way. Here's our identity matter statement for today. When our speech is boastful, based in pride, we set aflame uh, the relationships here on earth, with the primary emphasis being on the destruction of the body of Christ. When our speech is based on and through the mind of Christ, we build the body of Christ and provide a solid example of the gospel to self and others. Misuses of words is nothing short of Godship or trying to play God. And remember that Godship leads to further rejection, and rejection builds the self-life to be destructive and independent. Godship requires repentance, but this will not happen until there is brokenness. And of course, the best way to break someone is by their own words, because God writes them down, puts them right back in front of them. But you said this. That's what you believe. And it exhausts them, breaks them down. That's what the law is for. And last I read, God is the one and the only one that has the prerogative to use the law to break us. It is only through brokenness that we find humility, which actually means in the Hebrew, a little less than human. Humility then becomes our gateway to victory which is the experiences, the personhood, the redemption that comes from the man hanging on the cross. Victory is dwelling is the dwelling place of experiential understanding of our identification in Christ Jesus. We want to thank you for listening in on our podcast today. This message comes to you by way of a podcast feed from Heartland Family Fellowship, a family-integrated church, which is an outreach of IOM America, right here in Sterling, Kansas. For more information about our church or international ministry, log on to www.iomamerica.org. And if you would like to connect to our fellowship, log on to www. HeartlandFellowships.org It's our prayer that the mind of Christ in you draws you into a deeper walk with Him.